Hi, I'm Mark Brody, and this is the Friday Newscap Podcast. Each week, we review the biggest stories with experts, reporters, and commentators to put the news in perspective. Here's this week's episode. Voters in Ohio sent a pretty clear message. They think that it's fine for people to have a right to an abortion, and I I think people who believe that now realize that they're in the majority. Investing in Tucson, continuing to invest in economic development, job creation, investing in ourselves. That's what it's about, and that's what tonight is about. I actually agree with what your Santa Times put out, because even for us personally, back in July in Arizona, we had Biden plus one against Trump. And now, you know, it shows Trump with a, a, a sizable lead. Discourse at the school board level does have an impact on the school district in a very material way. If the community sees, you know, fractiousness at the board level, um, that can undermine their confidence in the district and uh, potentially turn up in the election results. In Arizona, for example, the preliminary estimates from the National Safety Council indicate that roadway fatalities are up 69 percent this year compared to uh, last year. And with me to break down the results from this week's elections, both here and elsewhere, an ethics complaint filed against a Democratic state lawmaker and more are Doug Cole of High Ground. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Mark. And Democratic strategist Tony Connie. Hey, Tony. Good morning. So let's start with a shout out to uh, all the, the veterans who might be listening on this uh, day of, of the observance of Veterans Day. Yeah, and well, Doug, ha- happy Veterans Day. It's a, it hits pretty close to home. My dad's an Air Force veteran. My uh, my father-in-law is a Vietnam uh, vet. Um, Army era veteran, and my son is active duty Marine Corps pilot. All right. Well, so we're a military family. Absolutely. About 9% of the state's adults are veterans in Arizona. Yeah, we big, got a heavy yeah, veteran population, population in Arizona. Here. Yep. And mil- active, active duty as well with a lot of military bases. Exactly. So, guys, let's start with uh, some election results. And I want to start actually outside of Arizona in Ohio, where one of the most closely watched races was uh, issue one, which uh, – which basically enshrines abortion rights into the state constitution in Ohio. Tony, we heard uh, from Jody Liggett at the very top of the show saying that basically, you know, this makes people in Arizona feel pretty good about their prospects for for getting this on the ballot next year and having it pass. What lessons are drawn from what we saw in Ohio that might be applicable here next year? I think just that the American public has is aware that there are these attempts to restrict abortion rights in ways that they're against. And, you know, I have a really good friend that lives in Dayton, Ohio, which is not, you know, at least in the part that he lives in is not a progressive area. Right. And, you know, and, and he talked about the energy there to pass this. Hmm. Right. And I'm not sure that his area got a majority, but enough people who typically vote for Republicans were voting in favor of putting this into the Constitution. And I think that we're going to see that carry over here in Arizona because I just think that I think the Republicans have gone too far. Doug, does this give momentum, at, at, at least at this stage, to collect the signatures to, to get this on the ballot? Absolutely. You know, uh, Ohio is the seventh state that has done this. And, and you know, the, the Republicans and, and the pro-life movement have worked so hard to get to the Dobbs decision for so many – for decades to overturn Roe, get to the Dobbs decision. But then they forgot that they didn't have a strategy moving forward. And 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 now that has you know they they've been chasing the car the dog's been chasing the car, and the dog caught the car for the pro life movement but but the dog's nose is is stuck in the exhaust pipe. 
Still a lot of money, though. I mean, we've heard estimates of like $50 million just to get it on the ballot, never mind lawsuits to come, then a campaign to come, assuming it survives those legal challenges. Is there, Doug, that – like does the money exist given all the other states that are going to be attempting this, not to mention all the other races on the ballot? Well, we're going to – the the pro-choice movement clearly outspent uh, the pro-life – campaign in in Ohio. In fact, so much so, uh, Turning Point USA head Charlie Kirk was was lamenting that on on a, on a tweet last night hmm. about how they got outspent. So uh, the national pro-life movement is going to have to figure out how to raise more money and engage and have a message that works because their message right now is is not working at all. It's alienating independents and moderate Republican women. So, Tony, assuming again that, that the measure makes it onto the ballot, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, like, but given what we saw in Ohio, what do you think this means extrapolating out for the rest of the candidates on the ballot, both Democratic and Republican? Well, you know, the talking point for Republicans in these Biden districts like Juan Siskamani, they have constantly said this is a states' rights issue. We have now seen seven of seven states protect abortion rights. And already you're starting to see pressure from the Republican base and, you know, people like Senator Vance in Ohio saying, you know what, we need – there needs to be a federal solution to this. The, we need to do this. So what has happened is that they are making – they are making this a, a national issue all the way down the line for every office, federal and state. And we're going to – you know, Democrats are going are gonna to run with it because we, we – it's not just because it's good politics. It's because – you know, the vast majority of Arizona support abortion rights. There's polling has shown that for a long time. And the Republicans are on the wrong side of this. And, you know, we're going to go and we're going to protect it. And I think you're going to start to see it make an impact in some of these legislative races. Yeah, and, if, and if this continues on a geographical basis, which it, would it, and on a state by state, it appears to be, you're going to see, you know, the more red states in the, in the deep south, uh, they won't have uh, – uh, women won't have choice down there. And you'll, and you'll see – you know, a, a geographic inequity on reproductive rights. And, and that's where it's heading. Well, so, Doug, you know, we saw obviously in Ohio, they were voting on this issue specifically. But in other elections this week in Virginia with their legislative races, in uh, Kentucky with their governor's race, abortion was an issue that was pretty high on top of voters' minds. And we saw in those cases, Democrats did pretty well. So I think to your point earlier, what do Republicans do? Like, how do they change their message to try to staunch the bleeding here? Well, uh, they've got it. As I said earlier, they're going to have to change their messaging on on, uh, on reproductive rights because it is turning off a huge block of, of potential voters. And I failed to mention young voters. Um, they're mm-hmm. turned off right now by by the potential Trump Biden, you know, repeat. That's really driving down their enthusiasm. Uh, but 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 uh, reproductive rights brings up their enthusiasm. Mm. So that, that and I agree with Tony, will have an effect here in the Arizona elections. But every race, as you're right, the Virginia legislature, uh, the, the governorship in Kentucky, uh, in Pennsylvania, there was a very high-profile Supreme, Court, Supreme, election, Supreme yeah. Court election that was based on abortion. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know how many times they got to lose. They've been losing, and they're losing really well. Uh, and if they want to continue to lose, um, uh, don't change your message. At the same time, though, Doug, uh, we saw a poll this week from The New York Times and Siena College that showed former President Trump leading current President Joe Biden by five points in Arizona. Well, I think that that's that's 
really manifesting itself with people's lack of enthusiasm. I think they're seeing that, yeah, that guy's kind of old. Which one? uh, They both are. (laughs) But one's older than the other. um, And the one that that came out in the bottom of that poll. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's way out. It's a year out. Okay. Things are going to change immensely. uh, But it's a problem for the Democrats. It's a problem at the top of the ticket. They're, like the Republicans, Democrats are going to have to figure out how to better message the age problem for the current for the current president. They both have age problems, but for the current president. So Republicans have repro- reproductive rights challenges. The Democrats are going to have to figure out what they're going to do at the top of the ticket. Well, Tony, you know, to Doug's point about this being a year out, that's basically the argument the Biden campaign is making that, you know, the Obama campaign a year out from his second election was down to, you know, down in the polls. Is that enough of a, I guess, is that enough for the Biden administration to look at the calendar as opposed to maybe some of the underlying factors? Well, I, you know, um, I mean, let's keep in mind that I was I was the deputy director on the Biden campaign uh, here in Arizona uh, last time. And let's keep in mind, we won by 10,000 votes. It was very, very close. To right. The, you know, in order for us to win, it's going to be very close. And so one of the things that is happening is that voters when they hear about the legislative accomplishments of the White House, a lot of voters then switch. Like a lot of the research is showing that voters don't know about, um, you know, the infrastructure bill or the CHIPS Act or, you know, even the Medicare protections capping insulin. And so I think that there's a path there. I think what this says is we're going to have to do work. We had to do work last time. We have to communicate with these voters. There are a lot of voters who are concerned about age. And the way that was handled last time was they just put the president to camera, face direct to camera on ads in a way that normally doesn't happen. And I think you're going to start seeing that more at a workers' rights rally that he did with the UAW yesterday. um, Somebody in the crowd fell down and he stopped his speech and said, I just want the press to know that that wasn't me. (laughs) And then he, you know, made a kind of joke about moving around and everybody laughed. And I think we're going to see more of him just out there. And I think it's going to alleviate some of those issues. But look, it's going to be it's going to be close. So if you're a Biden supporter, we got to get to work. Well, it's interesting because, you know, obviously during the last election was during covid. The the now president was not really traveling around a lot. Is there going to be an expectation that he is traversing the country in the next 12, you know, 12 months or so, 11 and a half months to really get out in front of voters, get out in front of the camera in a way that maybe he didn't have to or wasn't able to three and a half years ago. Yeah, we only got one visit. We only got that one that one visit. Um, And he's already been here, I think, in this last year, (laughs) twice, two, three times, a few times. Yeah. And and so I do think that you're going to see and he loves the campaign. He loves to be on the campaign trail. And so I think that you are going to see him in the state a lot. Um, well, he's going to have to be. Yeah, he's going yeah, he, he to have to be. He just has to be. Yeah. It's and and if Trump is the nominee, you know, we got a lot of uh, concern last time because Trump was visiting so much. But like I said this in the 2022 election, every time Trump came, it helped us. And so I'm very curious to see how this this plays out. So, Doug, this is what's kind of interesting because former president obviously lost Arizona in, in 2020. And we've seen that a number Did of – well, <laughs> according, maybe not according to him and the candidates that he he's endorsed, joking. the candidates that, joking, that he's folks. endorsed, of course, uh, the candidates that he's endorsed since then have all lost, whether or not they acknowledge that. But yet we still see a poll that shows him up and not by like one or two points, but like a, a decent margin here. Again, um, the age factor everyone's focusing on right now. But but campaigns are about your your messaging. You get to control the messaging. 
uh, if if a campaign's run correctly. So there's a you know there's a long way to go here, folks. You know, um, it may not be Biden Trump. Who knows what it's going to be a year from now? I mean, it's looking that way right now. But look, you, you had the West Virginia senator announce he's not running for re-election yesterday, Joe right. Manchin, and and the speculation is and and. And looking at his his uh, announcement video that he did, it looks like he's going to run, looking run, make a White House run and as a third party candidate. Um, that changes the that changes the field on the margins. Um, so we got a long way to go, folks. You know, buckle up. It's going to be a rough road. <laughs> it's going to be a busy time at Sky Harbor as all these candidates are, exactly. are flying in here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of restricted airspace. Right. All right. That is Doug Cole. I'm also joined by Tony Connie. I'm Mark Brody in Phoenix. The Friday News Cap continues in just a moment. Good morning. It's the Friday Newscap here on KJZZ 91.5. I'm Mark Brody. My guest this week, Democratic strategist Tony Connie and Doug Cole of High Ground. Tony, let's start now at the state capitol in the second segment here. Uh, House Democratic leaders have filed an ethics complaint against one of their own members, a Democratic Representative Lisa Sun, who represents parts of the West Valley, basically accused of uh, intervening in a child custody case and as well as using some threatening behavior, there was an injunction against her, preventing her from going anywhere near a few uh, city of Tolleson officials. What do you make of, of all this? Well, I mean, it's really bizarre behavior. And I think the fact that the Democratic you know, caucus has filed this complaint shows that they're taking it really seriously. The thing that I'm looking at is, you know, this is a self-regulating body. They make these decisions about how they're going to sort of hold other members accountable. And, you know, the standard that's been set by the Republicans is – that, you know, there, somebody was ex- expelled for sexual harassment when Wendy Rogers spoke at a neo-Nazi rally and threatened the lives of the governor and other members. She was only censured. And then when Liz Harris made false claims against Wendy Rogers and others, she was kicked out. And so I just don't know what they're going to do. I, I, I think it's going to be a deliberate process. And I think that that these are really serious allegations. But it's a it's a it's 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 tough to predict. Doug, we've seen. As as uh, Tony referenced, there there have been in the last year a couple of ethics uh, investigations with Liz Harris, also Stephanie Stahl Hamilton with the, the whole Biblegate situation. Do you think it's a safe assumption that there will be some kind of hearing or investigation in this case as well? Absolutely. I mean, th- this all started about 10 years ago with Daniel Patterson, Peterson down Patterson, in Tucson, right, right, yep. um, a Democrat legislator down there. And then we've had Don Shooter. We've had David Stringer. I mean, it, it, Liz Harris. I mean, the, the list is long. Mm-hmm. It is a self-regulating body. You have different ethics chair uh, chairpersons. Uh, and they and different speakers and presidents over over that over that last decade, but I do think in this case though there will be an ethics hearing and we'll, we'll see what they do. There's one thing about this speaker Ben Toma; he's a very fair man, and uh, you know he's called he calls balls and strikes. So I, I I think this will proceed. The behavior has is bordered on bizarre uh, from what's been reported. You know, threatening a Tolleson, you know, intergov. Uh, which is a fancy word for lobbyists, for, for lobbyists yeah. down in Tucson at the league conference, going to throw, throw her off a balcony. And that, it's, just, it's just not becoming of any public official in my mind. Even if, let's say, Representative Sun is not censured or expelled, or let's say there's no punishment, does all of this stuff out about her, does that impact her ability to be effective as a legislator? Well, I think the, that's a good question. You, it, you, that district's interesting because it used to – 
used to be represented by by two business friendly uh, Republicans. Uh, in fact, the House Minority Leader is her seatmate, Lupe Contreras, mm. and and she's and you know she she got in according to to statements she's made over over the course of time. She got into to running for the legislature to to be more progressive. She thought the folks that were representing that that district weren't progressive enough. So you got the divide in that district going on between the 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 mainstream business friendly uh, Democrats versus the progressives. So we're seeing that play out. You know, we talk a lot about about the Republican split between the MAGA and the and the more moderate. Uh, the Democrats have the same problem, and we're seeing that play out in that district. Well, and Tony, we're also seeing it potentially play out. Representative Sun has filed a statement of interest to run. For in the Democratic primary for for state Senate against an incumbent Democrat. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's weird behavior. And I think I, I honestly think that in a Democratic primary, if this stuff comes out, she's not going to win. I think I think that it's 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 not what people want. And so, you know, and, and that's the hard that's the hard thing that the legislature has to grapple with. Is this serious enough for us to take away who the voters sent here? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that's a legitimate, fair question. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I joked about it at the beginning, but like. That's what they're going to have to, to grapple with. But I think if not, you know, the voters are going to have a say eventually. Right. Yep. So, Tony, Doug had mentioned uh, Joe Manchin a, a few moments ago, the West Virginia senator, deciding not to run for reelection uh, to the U.S. Senate. He has often been tied in the last few years to Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema's, you know, people in the middle who are working with both Democrats and Republicans, maybe ticking off both Democrats and Republicans on, on some uh, policy areas. Do you get the sense that his decision will have any impact on whether Senator Sinema decides to run or not? I don't think so. I mean, is it, I, I, you know, I'm I'm one of the few Democrats that think she is running. Hmm. <laughs> right. A lot of people think that she's not right. I think she's running. One of the things I think it will do is she likes the amount of power she has accumulated in the Senate. And with Manchin gone, I mean, does that mean she has more power in a closely divided Senate? Like I, I – I don't think – and, you know, and, and there's been – she had some frustration with him because of deals that he made uh, that Democrats were happy with about the bipartisan – I'm sorry, about the uh, the, inf, the Inflation Act. Um, the infl- Inflation Reduction Inflation Act, Reduction yeah. Act. And so I, 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 I doubt it. I, I don't think it will have any any sort of an impact other than maybe, you know, there was some speculation that the no labels people wanted cinema to run, but they've been so clear that they want uh, Manchin – I think, you know, she's nobody's second choice. And so I think that, you know, we could probably cross her off being on that ticket, whether he runs or not nationally. So, Doug, what do you think? She can be the vice presidential candidate in the, in the no labels. I don't know. You think, she, you think she wants to be the second choice to uh, no, no, or, no, I, no, I don't no. think so. No, we have to see how this plays out. Um, and, and it may just not be no labels. There, there may be other viable independents that, that surface also. So right. th- this could be a very crowded field. Again, they stated early. Uh, we're a year out, and and that's an eternity in politics, right? But at what point do you think cinema has to say I'm running or I'm not running? Shortly after the first of the year, um, she 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 really does. I know it it she doesn't feel any pressure right now. Remember, she's an independent, so she doesn't right. have to run in the August primaries. So the way it works uh, to for your listeners, she has to collect a lot of signatures, right? Like yeah. six times the amount of signatures. Which which is easy to do. She can have you know, paid circulators, but but those signatures are due. You know, she needs to be have those completed by late late July ish August, and then she's just on the general election ballot if she chooses to if, if she chooses to run. So you know, she has time on her side right now, and I think her waiting plays into her hand. I think it's a smart smart tactic on her part because because she's always well, she hasn't announced yet, and and, and it's hard to to go full full throated against somebody 
uh, in an attack that it still hasn't announced. Right. So here we are. So, Doug, we saw this week uh, Politico reported that Senator Sinema is kind of in the middle of an effort to break the logjam of military promotions uh, that uh, Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville has been doing for several months now. Is this the kind of thing? I mean, let's say that she does run. This seems like the kind of thing that is kind of on brand for her, right? Like working with Democrats and Republicans to try to, as she says, get stuff done. Well, uh, absolutely. We started the show about my shout out to to my deep military family. So I think you can kind of understand how I feel about Senator Tuberville's hold hold here. And as Tony stated accurately, you know, we have close to 10 percent of, of Arizonans and their active voters mm-hmm. are, are military or, and then they have families. And we're just talking people that were in the military. They have extended families. That never gets pretty big. This place, this is a good electoral issue for her. And to be honest with you, it's unconscionable what he's done. Um, um, finally, you know, to to the to the command chain of of our military, especially with China, uh, with the Ukraine, with the war in the Middle East, um, we are in very precarious times. And to have our military not fully staffed up and our leadership in place uh, is is unconscionable to me. Tony, in addition to sort of the policy of it, as Doug said, you know, get folks into positions at a time when there are conflicts across the globe. Is this good politics for Senator Sinema also? I think so. But let me be cynical about this for a minute. Okay. Because this isn't an issue where Sinema needs to go and convince Republicans to do something. The Republicans in the Senate are exhausted with this hold too. They want to get rid of it. The problem is, is that Sinema has taken a stand about Senate rules when it comes to the filibuster. And she thinks, from my perspective, this is one of those issues that could put pressure on the fact that she has said, I don't care if 56 senators want something in the Senate. We, you know, we have this rule that was added after the Constitution we have to hold up. I think the reason she's trying to, like, be the dealmaker on this is to alleviate that procedural pressure. Hmm. I believe the intention to get these things through is genuine. She has, you know, I'm not saying that, but I think the reason why she's announced this and making this push is, is because of that. And she has she's campaigned on this. She has military folks yeah. in, in her family as well. Like this an issue that, you know, much like a lot of folks is, is kind of personal to her. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, she's done a lot of constituent relations work uh, ever since she's been in the House when it comes to veterans. This has been a thing that that she has focused on. You know, and Senator Kelly has been wide, very outspoken, you know, being, being criticizing Senator Tuberville mm-hmm. when he once said nobody's more military than I am. And, and, and Senator <laughs> Kelly was like, there are four people in this committee that were actually in the military. You were <laughs> you a freaking football coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not even a great one. I, you know, like – and so, uh, you know, I think that it, it's, it, it shows to me – this shows kind of the dysfunction of the rules of the Senate that this one dude can hold up something in such a crucial point of time. You know, I, I, and I think that, you know, that's, that's part of the frustration that Democrats have had with Senema is, is about that sort of uh, – Focusing on the rules. And it all goes back to being tone deaf on the abortion issue. Yeah, that's right. what this all comes back that's to. That's sort of the underlying exactly. issue on the, on the whole. And there has to be a reset. If Republicans want to continue their their great winning streak of losing, you know, 18, 20, 21, 22, now 23, of losing on this issue, well, don't do anything. And And this, again, this is all about abortion with him. Guys, we have about a minute left. I want to ask each of you, do you think this issue itself could become a, a campaign issue next year? The fact that military leaders are being denied promotions because of the Department of Defense's stance on abortion? Look, if we get into a hot war, absolutely. If we get into a hot war. 
Absolutely. Okay. And I think, you know, there wasn't much foreign policy in the last presidential election. Obviously, it was a very domestic heavy because right. of COVID, the pandemic. Yeah. And so I do think that, you know, that's going to be a bigger issue in this upcoming election for sure. For All sure. Right. That is Tony Connie, also Doug Cole. Guys, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Friday newscap from KJZZ's The Show. It's an original podcast recapping the week's biggest stories with experts, commentators, and reporters. You can get the full show podcast at podcast.kjzz.org. I'm Mark Brody. Thanks for listening.